Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the podcast. Priest of Dispatches here. Thank you for returning to listen to this episode, episode 12 of the After Dinner Chat series. Uh, episode 12 is with Beth and Beaver from Pioneer Stock to Wales Valley Girl. Um, this was recorded on the 14th of January 2022. As always, please like, subscribe, and share the podcast and leave a review if you haven't done so yet. Um, I hope you enjoy this. I certainly did. Bethan has some good insight, having experienced Mormonism on both sides of the pond. Okay, let's get into it. I'm back. It's the 14th of January 2022, and it's our 12th after dinner chat. And this evening, we're going to be in the lovely company of Bethan Beaver, all the way from uh, deepest, darkest Wales, uh, Merthyr Tidbill, to be precise. If you're new here, then welcome. Please like and subscribe and share the channel with your friends. Um, thank you to those who shared tips last week. That was fantastic. Our first set of PD badges, I should have had one with me, um, are winging their way to you with some little treats. Um, so look out for those in the post. If you want to leave a tip, you can use the QR code here or down in the description below, there is a link. Okay, so slightly different start to this week. Uh, we are going to head over to the news, hopefully. There we go, the news. Um, so, self-appointed president of the church, Rusty, my pants smell fusty, Nelson brags about the plethora of invites he has sent out since his ascension to the throne. Unfortunately, subscriptions to his new streaming platform, OnlyMans, have been limited due to the overcomplicated password system being used to access the platform. This week saw members in the UK take to Facebook to speak about the Book of Mormon musical returning to theatres. The church's response to the musical has been relatively low-key from the odd billboard or pass-along card. The marketing team certainly knocked that one out of the park. The missionaries set up outside to tackle all of those would-be converts who had uh, seen the musical. And we don't know if this tactic has proven effective as of yet, but it's interesting that they would send a bunch of teenagers who haven't seen the musical to go and speak to people about what was wrong with the musical. Okay. Uh, the never-ending story that is the British rescue or the church just trying to prop up the church in Europe continues as President Nelson, Bednar, and Elder DeFeo of the Europe Area Presidency will be giving a devotional on the 23rd of January. The interesting thing about this is not the message, but the fact that the message will self-destruct after 24 hours. Yes, that's correct. They have stated that the special broadcast can be viewed from your homes for 24 hours only. Um, I guess if we pay more time, then we might get longer. But for right now, you get it for one Sunday only. No doubt the Britvengers will save the salient points 
rehash them, destroy them, um, and keep them safe for our prosperity. Okay, TikTok pick of the week. So there's loads of ex-Mormon action on TikTok at the moment. And this is one that I came across that I thought was tickled me uh, quite a bit. Um, and it's from Romy Nomi. And it gives, it redefines the phrase fine dining. Um, have a listen to this. So you guys know by now that I grew up Mormon, but like 95% of the people who lived in my small town were also Mormon. In school, sex ed was completely limited. We were taught abstinence-only sex education, except for one event where we had a teen pregnancy prevention officer come in and teach us about contraception. And this is a conversation that I will never forget from that class. Excellent work, everyone. We can all put our bananas in the garbage or you can eat them. There's potassium in there. Miss Gardner, I have a question. Yes, Allie. So my friend was telling me that there's like this thing called flavored condoms. Yes. So my question is, why? Oh. Allie, why would something be flavored? So that it tastes good? Precisely. So I can taste with my vagina? No. And that, my friends, is a perfect example of how the Mormon culture um, can screw things up when it comes to sex education. Okay. So, our guest this evening, um, if we welcome everyone um, with a great fanfare, is the one and only Beth and Beaver. There you go. You got a clap and everything. Welcome, Bethan. Thank you. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Yeah, excited. Awesome. So, as I said before, Bethan is in Wales, which is like I don't know, not very far from me. But she's not from Wales. Bethan hails. That was a shooting star. Bethan hails from. Um, the valley of uh, of the Utah Valley, is that correct? It is, yes. I was born there, um, lived there till I was about 11 um, before moving to the UK. So, Okay, awesome. And which do you prefer? Oh, definitely the UK. I would not want to live in Utah again. <laughs> no? No. Any particular reason or just all the, all the Mormons? Yeah, they're pretty much all the Mormons. It... <laughs> I I feel like there's a lot more pressure to be part of that community, whereas in the UK, I'm a lot more uh, free to kind of believe what I want to believe. So, okay. So when you were in Utah, uh, were you fully active TBM there or? Um, On and off, because my my parents, um, we did go to church on and off. My my grandparents were were fully active, so anytime I st- I lived with my grandparents for short periods of time, and so I would go to church when I lived with them. And for a short time, when I was younger, about eight or nine years old, um, we would go. But we went to a lot of different churches as well, because I think my my parents were kind of not completely convinced that Mormonism was true, so they were trying out different churches. Um, oh so gosh. I went to a lot of different ones when I was when I was younger. You in the Utah Valley? 
Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's more than the Mormon church in the UK. <laughs> surprisingly, surprisingly, there is. Um, so they have like, um, it was mostly um, a Baptist church we went to and um, an Assemblies of God church that we went to. So it's basically Mormonism and then those two on and off as well. Well, fair enough. Um, I, I flew over um, Utah or we were flying over Utah ready to land and I was only in my teens and my dad said to me, look, there's the prison. And I was like, why do they need a prison in Utah? Everyone, <laughs> is, everyone is a Mormon and everyone is like super nice and amazing. Why yeah, would you need a prison really in Utah? <laughs> you know, I saw a guy outside the bus station sat on the curb smoking and I was like, oh my gosh, there's someone smoking in Salt Lake. <laughs> yeah. What is going on? So we we had this, or at least I did, I brought up with this, um, it's kind of like you talk about the bubble and inside the bubble, ev everyone keeps the rules and, and everything is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no no rebels in Utah. <laughs> if anyone's watching from Utah, pull your socks up. No rebels in Utah. <laughs> yeah. You're all you're all perfect okay awesome so um bethan you came to my attention and other people's attention um during lockdown and that was with your work um on a new website that you set up called questioning lds um what's that about so it kind of started because lockdown gave me more of an opportunity to examine my beliefs. Um, I stopped being active in the church when I was probably about 17, 16, 17, that, that age range, but I still was a believer. And even as I kind of slowly drifted away from Mormonism to kind of a more general belief in God, I never lost that. But during lockdown, um, I was working from home doing kind of 12 hour night shifts, um, working a service desk. And I had a lot of time to kind of do something and I was like listening to podcasts and things like that and I started listening to atheist experience and the more I listened to it I, I listened to it originally because my, my husband recommended it because it's a good it's it can be quite entertaining when you get callers on saying you know justifying slavery or saying it's not in the bible and things so initially I was kind of like well that sounds entertaining to listen to kind of people argue so I started listening to it but the more that I listened to it, the more I was kind of like, wait a second, I, I don't have a good reason to believe in God. So why do I believe in God? And, you know, it doesn't, you know, if I don't believe in these other things, like, why am I believing in God? And it, it kind of started me on a path then of, of actually thinking about what it is that I believe and why I believe it, which then led me back to Mormonism, because it was such a big part of my life, even when I wasn't active in the church as a, as a kind of younger child when I was living in Utah. It's still a big part of my life because like things like even like my grand, my grandfather very, was very much into the church and the belief system and um, called all his children sister, which was very confusing for like seven year old me when I'm like, is he <laughs> he's calling his daughter his sister? I'm like, wait, she's my aunt. How can she be my aunt? If he's her sister and it used to very much confuse me but it was a very big part of my life and I knew it was a, a big part of like my family history as well so I kind of was like I need to look into this more because I left um 
and I didn't actually stop believing really other than just think well they talk a lot about Joseph Smith and not God and you know I kind of criticisms um and when I came to realize I didn't believe in God I came to realize more how harmful um my beliefs actually were to me um and how they are still harmful to other people so it it kind of bore out of that just wanting to kind of write about my experiences and and write about things that I didn't learn until after I left so that it could potentially help other people that were leaving. Okay. So we can pretty much class you as a thorn in the side of um, the church. And uh, as I was reading on question LDS, you've got a section on there about your heritage. Yes. (laughs) Now I was so confused uh, because I knew you were in Wales and this was before we'd spoken. And then I was reading on Question LDS, which I was sure was your website. And then in your heritage, it said that you were your great great grandfather was yeah. <laughs> Wilford Woodruff. That's right, yeah. So I was trying to figure out <laughs> how a girl from the valleys in Wales was the great great granddaughter of Wilford Woodruff and trying to track his missions to see if he'd had some illicit uh, behavior. Uh, as he was passing through Wales at some <laughs> point and you were some kind of branch off or, or offshoot, some illegitimate kind of offshoot <laughs> from the Woodruff name, but you are very legitimate, um, <laughs> brought up in the Utah Valley. But did, I mean, that's gotta be like, when, when <laughs> just in England, no one's the, no one's the ancestor of anyone in England. <laughs> in the in the church no, no, they are they are yeah but it's not as common yeah, is it it's like that's got to be like an awesome thing at church just to be like oh well my great great granddad he's in that manual there that's all about him uh, embarrassingly i did say that once or twice when i was a, a young woman uh it was a, a good brag for me but um basically how it happened is my my mom obviously is from utah she grew up in the church and she actually served her mission in Bristol. Um, and part of that, she came to Merthyr um, and she met my dad and they got on quite well. She was only here for a few weeks and, you know, was moved somewhere else. And they kept in touch and wrote letters to each other. I think about a year later, he came out to visit. And when he went back home, he rang her and, and proposed to her and said, you know, basically that he he realized that he was in love with her they in like in total in person they'd seen each other for like three days which i guess isn't that typical outside of mormonism but um, (laughs) they they wrote letters back and forth for about a year before they got married um because he had to get like his visa and stuff sorted because he moved to to america then but yeah they they in person um three days that's that's the territory like for the normal walk of life that's like three dates and after the third date i am sure when you see the person again you're still noticing like imperfections or like she didn't look like that last time or that's not how i remember (laughs) so your dad must have rocked up on his wedding day and it's almost like a blind date (laughs) yeah yeah i I think my mum 
to be fair to them, they they were very much in love with each other. Um, and you know, they they stayed together. My my dad unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but you know, I think my mom saw something in him that she could kind of get on with. They were they were friends before they were kind of husband and wife, which I think made made a huge difference. But but yeah, so they he he moved out to America. Um, and then it was about 2001, he started to get a bit homesick. Um, and he came back to the UK for a visit and decided that he did really miss it enough and asked my mum to just, if she'd mind moving over. And she's like, don't care, <laughs> make a family, you know, anywhere. So we ended up moving over here then. Wow. That's amazing. You know, it's. I I uh, struggled to get my wife to move a couple of hours. Never mind, like <laughs> six thousand miles away from everybody. No, that's that's awesome. And what it did is it gave us you here now, which yeah. is fantastic. Um, I think the church in the UK needs uh, a lot more Bethans and people who are willing to uh, call the crap in a very British way um, and just tell them stop your bullshit yeah so the other thing i was surprised to hear was um that you weren't baptized in the utah valley now you did say that you were going to different churches and and different things but as an unbaptized like nine-year-old you automatically become an investigator at church so i'd have assumed that the missionaries would have been like flies on you know crap when they saw an unbaptized nine-year-old coming through the door um so how did it i guess not happen when you were over there you just never line up i think so i think a lot of it is my mom was quite she wasn't appreciative of a lot of the people that she had met through being active as a mormon she'd had um a bishop once say to her that uh, that people in the ward were plastic people and they were under his control he was at the time yeah yeah he was using um the funds that they can help like uh destitute people with to pay his own mortgage because he said his daughter would be homeless if um if she had to move out so he paid his own mortgage out of church funds and justified it by saying she'd be destitute so my mum had seen like quite a lot of dodgy things happening Wow. And it kind of put her off. And so she was quite protective of us then getting involved in that when I think to some extent she might have thought, you know, because the classic thing is, you know, people aren't perfect. The church is perfect, but the people aren't kind of thing. I hate that. Yeah, I know. It's like the people make up the church. So really, <laughs> it's not true. But so I think she, she kind of wanted to shield us from that to some extent. And I can remember times when the bishop would visit um, and they would help out with like cleaning the chapel and things like that. So there was there was things that we would be involved in to a certain extent, but um, it was kind of like rare occasions. It was mostly when I was at my grandparents that they'd take us to like primary and things like that. Okay. Um, well, you did eventually get baptized. Yes. <laughs> whether that was that you you regret it now or not, and you were kind enough to share with us. A photograph. <laughs> Very uh, cringy. <laughs> let me see if we can just zoom in on this. So when I asked, 
I asked what year this was. And the reason I asked what year this was, was because you're wearing this awesome uh, choker, yes. which screams 90s to me. But this was 2014. So you were you were cool before your time. <laughs> but yeah, that is the coolest baptism outfit that I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> because usually it's very stale. You know, just all white against the white background with a floating head uh, in front of that yeah, stereo- stereotypical picture, <laughs> you know, um, of John the Baptist and Jesus there. But did you get baptized I, in all that? I had to take the, the gloves and the necklace and things off. I had um, butterfly hair clips in my hair as well. And I was absolutely insistent on keeping all of that on when I had the photo taken. I was like, I look so cool. I want to keep my stuff on. So I... I kept it on for the photo and then the elder that baptized me was like very serious was like you're gonna need to take all of that off and and then he was like gestured at my face you need to wash that off and he made he made me go and like wash. i was only wearing like eyeliner it wasn't even anything like dramatic and he, oh, ma- he made me go and, yeah <laughs> made me go and wash my face off before he'd baptize me um but yeah i i felt i felt very cool in my in my gloves and choker <laughs> Okay, so were were the rest of your family attending at this time? Was it so, a, a glorious occasion? <laughs> my mum and dad and my sister were there. Um, none of my other, the rest of my family either lives, um, my dad's side of the family like live in England and the rest of my mum's family just live in, in Utah. So it was just my, my parents and my sister there with me. Okay. Um, now, moving on from this, it didn't last long. Um, so how, <laughs> how, how old were you in this photo? So I was 13. It was a few months before my 14th birthday. Okay. Well, that's 13, even though the church would like to call it like 20. Um, <laughs> a few a few months before your birthday is definitely 13 still. Uh, don't tell Prince Andrew. <laughs> yeah. That's how it'd be coming for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if if no one knows what's going on with Prince Andrew at the minute, I don't think Prince Andrew knows what's going on. So um, he's been stripped of all his titles because um, the Queen doesn't believe him anymore. Okay. Totally lost my thread. Prince Andrew. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't last long. You were 13 there a few months before your 14th birthday. But um, by 16, the sheen was wearing off. Yes. Um, so I was kind of moving in from kind of young women's into going into Relief Society. I was between kind of 16 and 17. I don't remember. I remember I was at least 16 because I remember being in work when I was still active in church because I obviously asked to have Sundays off so that I could go to church. So I, I distinctly remember that, but then it kind of gets a bit all blurred together. But um, my dad at the time was, my, my both of my parents were completely inactive in the church and my dad would, not to me, but to other people actively speak out against the church. And there was people, leadership there that didn't appreciate that. And I had one of the young women's leaders approach me saying that I should leave my parents, that she'd left her parents and that I should just leave home and disown my parents because they were a bad influence on me. And I have a a really close relationship with my parents and it made me so angry because I felt like she had no right to say anything because she didn't know my situation. She didn't know my parents or what they said. And it made me angry enough that I just stopped going completely 
because I was like, I, I really didn't appreciate it. And I think that that was like the the last straw for me. I, I'd been struggling because Relief Society is obviously a massive difference to young women's as well. You know, going in as, you know, a teenager into what feels like a bunch of old people and it's really boring and everyone's really serious. And I didn't feel like I fit in there either. Um, so it kind of was difficult anyway. So when that happened, I was just like, that's it. I'm not going back. Yeah. I think the, the thing that I saw something this week that really kind of struck me, uh, it was a meme and I can't remember the exact words, but it was something around, um, how grateful it's obviously a sarcastic meme, how grateful um, the person was that the actions of a con man 200 years ago uh, was still able to have such a, a big impact in his and his family's life and their relationships. Yeah. Uh, and it's true, isn't it? You, you're like, that was so long ago. So much water's passed under the bridge, but we still deal with it on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Sorry you had to go through that because... I just I don't know where they get off telling people. I my one of my best friends was approached by someone in the ward after I'd left. He'd he was very less active, and he said to them, uh, they told him to be careful about choosing his friends, me, um, and not to be friends with me because I was going to be a bad influence on his kids. And uh, you like, I don't know. Church is full of people that like to say they're your friend until life gets tough. Yeah. And then you find out that none of them are there. Yeah. That's, that's definitely experienced that. Personal gripe. But your dad, your dad. So he was outspoken and the bishop excommunicated him on the doorstep. He did. Um, so I didn't learn until I started looking into things like in the last year or two that he's not supposed to do that. You know, he should have had an opportunity to give his side of the story. Um, but the, the funny thing is he actually he'd known this bishop for about 30 years because when he'd lived in the UK before, he was the bishop of the church. Then he obviously wasn't the bishop the entire time, but <laughs> but he'd been the bishop before. And when my dad moved to America to marry my mum, he said before he left, he'd give him a recommend so that they could get married in the temple. But when my dad got to America and the bishop over there requested it, he refused to give him a recommend. So my parents couldn't get married in the temple. So they'd had a history of things already. And it was reported to the bishop some of the things my dad was saying things which which are technically true um but obviously they would get under the skin things like joseph smith being a, a pedophile and marrying 14 year old girls and you know being essentially a murderer and things like that yeah. it it got back to this bishop what he was saying and he came to the door and asked my dad if what he said if he'd said those things my dad said yes and i said them because they're true um and yeah he just said to him well i'm going to excommunicate you then and that was it on the spot yeah see that's unreal but the only thing the only blessing in that whole thing is that 
your dad didn't have to sit through a kangaroo court where yeah. he's just going to do it anyway at least he yeah. just said to him you know <laughs> this is it that's that's it don't come back yeah um you know um, if your dad had wanted to i'm sure uh he he could have done something about it but i just think that's a real is that the same bishop that was um paying his mortgage oh no it's a different one yeah that that was uh so that you was just a had a, a line of dodgy bishops in merthyr tidville <laughs> yeah um to anyone uh, from merthyr tidville our apologies you know just a line of crooks um who were bishops there so it's really um I, I didn't mention this the other day when we we had a catch-up but i was thinking about it today because when there was there was a point in which i feel like I could have possibly got back into Mormonism and it was um, right after my dad passed away. We were in a lot of like financial problems. My mum was really struggling with her mental health. So we contacted the, the, the bishop of the church for help um, and said we'd, we'd had an eviction letter from our house and everything. And he said that he supports life and not lifestyle and refused to help us pay the rent, but said he would help us get shopping if he could buy it like himself and not us he wouldn't give us money to go buy shopping he okay. had to buy it and we would get what we got um and he came for he came initially he came the next week um and then said to my mom well if we're going to do this for you you have to like do some ironing or something for the ward and my mom was like fine I'll, I'll do that and then he came a lady came the next week and then they didn't show up after that they didn't ring us or check if we were okay or do anything they just left it and that was kind of like for me i kind of it felt like it proved a point for me that he didn't actually care about no. doing the right thing the thing that they're supposed to do um you know when people come to them for help he never said why don't you come to church or you know why don't i send people over here we can have discussions or you know is there anything we can do to help with maintaining the house or anything like that he was just he seemed really peed off that he even had to kind of get involved with people who were not active um and so it was quite for me it felt just was like well it proves yeah. that you know it doesn't prove that there's not good people there are good people within the church and i do know people uh, who are very nice but i felt like it proved a point for me in terms of him supposedly having magical keys and you know the power of discernment he should have been able to to do something more than what he did um. well when i was bishop i was young and i do not claim to have done a perfect job i screwed up loads of crap um but there were several things that happened when um, there was a need for uh, assistance one was i didn't have time to go shopping for people um a lot of the time the Relief Society president would deal with it and uh, just bring me a receipt. Yeah, there was there was no need because, in my opinion, it's hard enough for people to come through the door and ask for assistance. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's like do you have to make them feel crap about it. <laughs> it's one step away from sitting on the curb with a, a cup, shaking a cup. You know what I mean? Like you, you really have to be in a difficult place to force yourself through the door and yeah. say i need help so you know when someone comes through you you've got to just 
understand that. And I think a lot of people sit behind the desk in their ivory tower with no financial issues, driving a really nice car because the oath and covenant of the priesthood has paid for it, yeah. um, you know, with their manna from heaven. And they have no idea what's actually going on with the person across the desk from them. And then the other thing, uh, the, the church obviously teaches self-reliance. And it doesn't want anyone to have a free handout. So the whole ironing thing. Yeah. Like I just say to people, because it was such a pain in the arse to find service projects for people to do for 50 pounds worth of shopping. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've not got time to, <laughs> to find that because as a bishop, you've got a full-time job. You've got a family being bishops, a full-time job. So this guy sounds like a right flipping jobs worth. Yeah. Um, you, you just want to say, you know, yes, I understand. What can we do? You know, let's make a plan of how we're going to deal with it. And then yeah. let's, deal, let's deal with it. So you, you just sound like you've had crap bishops. Yeah. Um, Not the best of luck. I, when I started my website, I felt like writing him a letter thanking him because I feel <sighs> like if he handles it differently, I might be back in church and, you know, not as well off as I am now. So yeah, I, I thought that might be a bit petty because he is still, he, I probably shouldn't say he's still the bishop, but he's still the bishop. But you just um, said it. Last time I <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I, I did, sure. I did felt like writing it though. Wow. Well, you know what? He'd probably uh, think that it's Satan who has prompted you to write this letter. Yeah. <laughs> and Satan in your countenance and all different things. So I wouldn't even worry about him. Yeah. Uh, they they hold no no sway. Um, it's all gone. Okay. Well, it's it's good though because you're here now. Yes. And. I wanted to draw everyone's attention to uh, the website, questionlds.com. It's in the link below, or the link is in the description below. But as you go there, the first resource I want to draw everyone's attention to is Bethan's um, general conference kind of notes, which are amazing. Um, the... If you look look back at, at last general conference, we've got prayers, songs, speakers, and a really good uh, kind of breakdown of what everyone said. Bethan watches it, so you don't have to. Yes. We we praise you. Uh, <laughs> that is bloody. It's a task. Um, I watched one session last time for Nemo's halftime show, and it was it's a thankless task, but we thank you. So for next conference, see, I'm bigging it up now, Bethan. <laughs> actually got to sit and watch it. <laughs> so if if you don't, we'll we'll have to get you back and, and ask you why. Yeah. If we like that, Bishop, we will haul you over the coals. <laughs> I'll uh, deserve it if I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I, I intend. It, it's definitely tough going sometimes. I think there's been, there was some talks where I had to pause it and walk away from my computer because they made me, so angry with some of the stuff that was said but try and like come back and like calm down and watch it so it's a balancing act but i think it saves other people having to to go through that we salute you we salute you um okay well with that in mind 
I just wanted to play a little game, a little word association game. <laughs> and I did have it up on a graphic, but my computer's not playing ball. So we're just going to say the words. Um, so the reason I'm doing this, you were in Mormonism for a relatively short time. Yeah. But I just want to see how deep the programming went in that short time. Okay. Um, so the first word is uh, just just say what comes to your mind. Um, I know what comes to my mind and what might come to many people's mind. And in the chat, say what comes to your mind as well. If it's just a single word, I'll just say a single word. So dark. Light. Okay. Um, hat. <laughs> Stone. <laughs> just on the image as well. I'm like, no. Yeah. Okay, uh, and then we've got mountain. I was going to say hill. I don't know why. That was like the first hill? word. But... Okay. <laughs> Not really. Fiber. Being. Okay. I, I guess I think... I'm finishing the sentence. <laughs> yeah. I think we've, we've, you know what? Some people were for, for dark, we got light. Chocolate. Dark chocolate, Doug Vincent. That's fantastic. Oh. Push, top, donation. Um, so I don't think it was too bad. For me, dark, I just automatically went to skin, which is really bad. Yeah. Like the whole, I think it's because I saw a Book of Mormon reader this week, an old one with the old Lamanites being cursed in it. That yeah. Disgusting. Um, for... Fiber, fiber in my being. Um, on Reddit this week, people were having uh, someone put on what are the most triggering words for you uh, when it comes to Mormonism, when you hear people speaking about Mormonism. And that was a big one. And people were saying every time they hear someone say, with every fiber of my, wait, with every fiber of my being, <laughs> you know, just like that, that it, it gives them chills or. Another one was even when people say even Jesus Christ, you know, um, can you think of any more? What triggers you? I think the word sister, I, it just gets under my skin really bad just because of people. I think it, it's less said over here. Like when I was attending church, there'd be a few people that would be like, you know, sister, my maiden name's Oakley, sister Oakley and stuff. But I just, it just creeps me out anytime I hear it um and I watched I found some of the like kid cartoons that they're doing now um on the Mormon uh YouTube channel and the father calls the daughter sis he's like he's, he's like in a minute sis or whatever and I was just like no don't say that word it's just it's such a I I understand maybe a bit being like brothers and sisters in christ and saying it while you're in church but it just saying it to your family to your kids and stuff like that it's just weird to me um so yeah sisters got to be the main one luckily i think a lot of the words i didn't realize that people didn't say things like countenance like outside of church like it's not a word you ever hear like i've ever heard in conversation outside of it so it's yeah. it's more kind of like the unique words i i if I see them or hear people say them, I'm like, it's it's kind of weird. But yeah, that 
it's probably things like that. Yeah, I think my countenance has definitely fallen. <laughs> if if people saw me, they they'd be like, "Oh, what's happened to him?" I'd just be like, "I've just got older." That's literally, <laughs> That's all it is, and I'm not even that old. I've just got older. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting enough fiber. <laughs> it is. It's seriously nothing to do with Satan. Um, but the whole sister thing. So I was trying to explain to someone Mormon heaven, and they were, <laughs> they they said to me, "So you're all families." in mormon heaven because they'd have you believe that this this image of i'm sure i've seen church artwork in the past and when you say church artwork it's obviously it's not church artwork is it it's the interpretation of the artist yes <laughs> um, so but of of like children running up to jesus or to their parents you know and we know from the king follett sermon that Joseph spoke of children on thrones and the children who die before the age of accountability will be resurrected at the age that they died. Yeah. But they, they will have a full knowledge of everything and be like gods. So like, can you imagine if, if you take that to its logical conclusion, you've got a two year old girl marrying a stripling warrior um and being like a, a goddess of her own planet anyway it's stupid uh, <laughs> it's just the stupid. more you think about it the less sense it makes and that's the thing is <laughs> because as, as well the thing is if everyone did what we're supposed to apparently do then we won't be there as families. I won't be there as a son to my earthly father, will I? Because I will have my own wife. My children won't be there as my children because they will be grown and have their own partners. Yeah. Uh, so you you end up with this just heaven full of couples who kind of know each other. So the dad saying to the daughter, sis, creepy as it is, would be uh, the, the logical conclusion of Mormon heaven. Yeah. I guess. Technically, technically, it's a daughter and sister, <laughs> depending yeah. on what stage. Uh, it's just it's just weird. Yeah. I know my my um, my little girl a few years ago when I was uh, transitioning out of church. It was bedtime and she said to me that she'd got two dads and that pissed me off. So what do you mean you've got two dads? She said, I've got you and I've got father in heaven. She must have been about five. So not her fault, my fault for taking her to church and uh, allowing that kind of programming already yeah. to be a thing. But she like saw me and father in heaven as like the same yeah but like as real yeah and then you're trying to explain to a five-year-old that everything you've told them for the last five years is bs yeah and yeah i just think age of accountability is it's a bit young yeah so age of gullibility yeah it's the perfect time to get someone in because 
even even getting baptized at 13 I felt like I was doing the right thing like I I could have got baptized obviously before then but I was so like adamant I was like I want to pray about this the thing is I didn't actually do anything to investigate I didn't even though I know I was like a child but I didn't look into anything I did what the missionaries told me which was pray about it it's what everyone tells you just pray about it you get this feeling that's the Holy Ghost you know it's true and that's what I did to investigate if it was true but I I waited a year to get baptized because I was like I want to be extra extra sure that I I believe this before I commit to it um wow. and I took it very seriously and I just think I wasn't I wasn't old enough to understand what I was committing to not really I understood I was committing you know the commitments in terms of um the values and things like that but I didn't understand it and I didn't have the capability at the time to analyze it properly. So, you know, a younger child, you know, eight years old is definitely, in my opinion, not, not old enough to really understand what, what you're getting yourself in for. No. And I mean, Doug's put there, it's indoctrination and that's, that's what it is. But I, I always find that Mormonism is quite a right wing kind of, white religion yeah in the fact that i think in america there were a lot of trump supporters who were mormons you know yeah at the rallies a year ago when they broke into the capitol you got captain moroni you got people (laughs) wearing byu hoodies you know there's there's a lot of people who are programmed um to follow that kind of politics so i think sorry robert williams just said something in welsh do you speak welsh no <laughs> sorry robert we, we have had a conversation on facebook about this earlier in the week um, <laughs> unfortunately not robert sorry the extent of to... my, my welsh is like borodar that's that's pretty much it yeah <laughs> i can say hello araf which means slow because it's written on the roads <laughs> uh, but anyway so the yeah the political mind of mormonism is very republican um and so when you mention muslims there's quite a visceral reaction um from a lot of tbms so i said to one of them if your child came home and said um mom dad i been going to youth club with my friend i want to be a muslim what would you say to them and nine times out of ten the answer is you're not old enough to make that decision yeah because it is a decision that is not in line with the parents wanting yeah so first answer you're not old enough you know and you'd say that to a teenager you'd probably say you know to someone in the early 20s you know wow you're not really old enough to make that commitment are you you don't know what life is you don't know what what you want to do you don't want to yeah yeah tie yourself down because it doesn't fit but as soon as it's something that does fit and that that is their kind of bag and what they want you to do you're you're old enough at the age of eight yeah 